Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Former T.R. Miller head football coach Jamie Riggs shares his views on all aspects of football after a 40-year Hall of Fame high school career. Coach Riggs and his guests will discuss the latest on the local high school and college teams, the current issues that are dominating high school, college, and NFL football, as well as reliving some of the classic moments and history of the game with the people that made it happen. This is A Minute with Coach Riggs. Welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. You know, 1979-1980 uh, was my second and third year in coaching, and I was the assistant football coach and math teacher at McGill Tulin High School in Mobile. There were 1,400 students down there, and it was quite different from anything that uh, I had been around. Of course, it was a Catholic high school. So every Friday before games, uh, we would go to the library, and one of the priests, and uh, the, the their rectory was right there by the school, uh, one of the priests would come over and perform mass. And so uh, we would usually have communion, and we would always, during the service, say a Hail Mary. Now, a Hail Mary is a prayer to the Virgin Mary and um, that most Catholics, a lot of them say on a daily basis. And so the prayer says this, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So it was something that we said all the time uh, at Mass. Well, Hail Mary took on a whole new meaning on December 28, 1975. The Dallas Cowboys were playing the Minnesota Vikings in a playoff game in Bloomington, Minnesota. With 24 seconds left on the clock, Dallas was behind 14 to 10. They were out of downs. They were just about out of time. And so Coach Tom Landry told his soon-to-be Hall of Fame quarterback, Roger Staubach, just throw the ball up deep towards the end zone. And so Staubach did just that. Got the shotgun, dropped back, threw a ball down the right sideline there where his all-pro receiver, Drew Pearson, was. There were two Minnesota defenders in the area. And Staubach's ball came down, and as it came down, Pearson bumped one of the Minnesota defenders. He fell to the ground. And Pearson ended up catching the ball, backpedaling into the end zone. And Dallas had a miraculous 17-14 victory and went on in the playoffs. They would eventually go to the Super Bowl that year. Well, after the game, the reporters asked Stallback about the play. And Stallback, who was Catholic, Stallback said, Well, I just said a Hail Mary and threw it up. And throughout the United States the next day, he was quoted in newspapers everywhere, and headlines were, Cowboys get a Hail Mary and beat the Vikings. So since that day, Hail Mary has become football terminology. Just this year, Appalachian State had the Hail Mary of the year when they threw one right on the last play of the game to beat Troy. Well, T.R. Miller has had its own Hail Mary. And I've got with me today uh, former T.R. Miller quarterback Will Riggs, who uh, is a uh, was a 2011 graduate, but basically was for the most part a four year starter for for the Tigers from 
2007 to 2010. So, Will, it's great to have you today. It's great to be here, Coach Riggs. <laughs> All right. Well, I, we've been uh, uh, lately on some of our shows, we've been talking about um, great games and stuff um, in, in Miller football history. And uh, so what I want to do just for a minute, I want to talk to you about um, a game your senior year. Uh, we'll go back to uh, October 7th, 2010, uh, T.R. Miller versus Washington County. We were playing that game here in Bruton. We had kind of struggled a little bit early in the year, hadn't we? We had. I think we actually started the year 0-2. Uh, we played a very good Atmore team over there and lost in overtime. And then we uh, had to go to Bayside Academy and played one of their better teams that they've had and uh, lost a, a close game down there at the end as well. So uh, there's not a lot of times down through history that T.R. Miller starts 0-2. But uh, in that 2010 season, uh, we did. And so, um, and then obviously starting in the region with Bayside and starting 0-1 there. So, um, yeah, we had we had a slow start at the beginning of that 2010 season. One of the things I remember, though, I think a few weeks later, prior to this Washington County game, um, we had gone to Andalusia and beat them, though. And best I remember, that was a really big win. It was. So I think we were – that was probably – uh, maybe the fifth game we were coming in three and two, maybe, and I think they were undefeated and had every intentions of handing us our third loss. And, uh, we lined up and just whipped them. Um, and, uh, I, I think that was my, I believe that was my first game coming back off of a broken thumb, broken hand deal. Right. And I was casted up. And, um, and so, but we lined up and, and whipped them that night and I don't think they expected it. You know, they didn't, you know, it's amazing sometimes, and I've always said this, that one thing about T.R. Miller is that, you know, sometimes when it looks like we're down and out, we can kind of gather ourselves together and uh, pull off some amazing things. And uh, to be able to go over there and beat them on the road, uh, that but that was a big win and kind of got us going. I think it more than anything else made us feel good about ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Andalusia is one of those places you always looked forward to playing to because you knew that you knew that there was going to be a big crowd there and, they always they always hated T.R. Miller and they always wanted to beat us and uh, and going over there and and being able to play uh, against a, a larger school than us and a school that you know had started the season off five and zero um, and really wanted to beat us um, and then going over there and, and lining up and whipping their butt was a, kind of an exclamation point on our season up to that point because that was the first. Um, good opponent that we had beaten you know we started off 0-2 and then I think we we came back with wins against um you know two two teams in Excel and Montgomery Academy that weren't on our level um so to speak and so going to Andalusia and beating a quality football team was an exclamation point on our season up up until that point well I don't think there's any doubt about that and and um uh, you need those wins sometimes to kind of get you going so by uh the time we got to the Washington County game, um, not only had we beaten Andalusia, but I think the week before the Washington County game, uh, we beat Clark County 34 to uh, 26. So we were we were feeling much better. We had a a nice, uh, I think, four game winning streak under our belt uh, as we got ready to play Washington County. We had played Washington County at times in the past some, and um, had never lost to them and. I don't think I, I don't know if we 
that night, whether we overlooked them or they just ended up playing really well and were better than, than we, you know, the whole that we anticipated or what the thing was. But, um, uh, the game seemed to be rolling along okay. It was, and we knew they had a good football team. Uh, but the second half, uh, we just couldn't get anything done. And best I can remember, we couldn't stop them. We couldn't stop their offense much. Yeah. From, from my memory, um, I think they threw the ball pretty well against us that night and we couldn't, they had a big old tall quarterback. I mean, yeah, he, he was had a good be, player. He had to be six foot five and yeah. he, he looked more like a, um, uh, an offensive tackle than he did a quarterback. Um, and he was, he was a, a big, strong guy and, and threw the ball well. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I, I don't remember us maybe not taking them as serious. I, I know they, they had coming off, I, I believe they had just, come off and, and beat Bayside the week before. So we knew they were a very capable um, team. And um, and so I don't, I don't remember us maybe downplaying them at all. I, I just think they lined up. It was one of those those nights where they lined up and they were determined they were going to beat us. And uh, maybe that kind of caught us off a little bit. And we were in a dog fight before we knew it. Um, but, yeah, we I think we had t- trouble stopping the pass that night. And, um, and I don't remember us uh, – um, I know we played – Play pretty pretty decently in the first half on offense. Uh, maybe we got in a lead. I know we threw a touchdown pass down there right before halftime, um, and uh, but it was a dogfight. And uh, could have never imagined uh, how the game would have ended up um, going down there the last minute or so of the game. Let's kind of go back to that. It's the fourth quarter, and we're basically best I remember. We're in a tie game. And, and they have the ball and they're driving. They go down and score with, what was it, Will, a minute left in the game? It was right over a minute. I mean, if it was a, maybe a minute 10, minute 15, I mean, it was, we were right over a minute, uh, left to go. And I, I, we maybe had two timeouts. So, um, you know, nothing that, you know, in this this day and age of football, it's, that's plenty of time, right? But uh, you know, we really, you know, we could throw the ball around, but we didn't. We weren't a uh, spread kind of an offense, and so us having to drive the length of the field and that amount of time was going to be a, a challenge for us. We were going to need a couple of chunk plays, but uh, but we had enough time to to make something happen. So uh, they score, and uh, we're down thirty five to twenty eight. And get the ball back with about a minute left. And, uh, although we weren't a spread team, we did have a spread offense we used for a two minute offense that we practiced pretty regularly. So it wasn't like we didn't have a plan. We knew exactly what we needed to do and, uh, got the ball back. And, uh, but we were, we were short on timeouts, best I can remember. And I don't recall, and this is a good point here, Will, that, you probably need to do a good job of studying your subject here. If we're going to talk about a game, you ought to get some facts about it. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, we had to drive a long way to be able to score in, in just a minute's time. Uh, I remember um, uh, you completing a couple of passes, but I remember one of the real key plays as time was running out. Uh, you had, I guess, I don't remember what it was, third or fourth down, but you had a scramble for a first down that was a, a really, really big play. Yeah. And, uh, not a lot of that was, that was, uh, you know, one good thing about football is sometimes all that preparation that you've, you've put in just kind of goes out the window and your instincts kick in. 
And uh, that was uh, an instinctive, instinctive moment right there. Uh, just kind of knowing we knowing we were out of timeouts, we needed a, we needed a we needed the first down first and foremost, uh, and we needed to be out of bounds so that we could set up our final play. But we also needed to be in good enough field range to be able to to throw the ball down there to the end zone. So, you know, I think we were on our own maybe our own 40 yard line or so, and you know, 10 yards is going to get us around midfield. And so I uh, just kind of stepped up into the pocket and, uh, and, and saw something. I believe I ran it all the way across the field to our sidelines. Yeah, I believe so. Um, to, uh, to get out of bounds and, uh, and, uh, give us a chance to, to throw the ball in the end zone on the last play. Well, well, our philosophy had always been at the end of the game, if we're within eight points and we have time enough that we can get the ball on to the 50-yard line or, at least, or or maybe on their end of the field a little bit, even if it's at the 45-yard line. Not all our quarterbacks. Most of our quarterbacks could throw the ball 45, 50, 55 yards. Certainly you could. If we can get in that position, we have a chance to throw the ball on or near the end zone. And if you've got a chance like that and you're within, like I said, at least eight points, you could tie the game with a two-point conversion. You know, our philosophy is we have a chance. We need to understand that we have a chance, but we've got to get the ball down there um, uh, on the other side of midfield if we can, where we can throw the ball up and have an opportunity in the end zone. Now, so we do that. We get down there and we're down to one play. There was what seven or eight seconds left in the game. Yes. Yeah. And so we got we got one. We're down to one play, and you have to be smart at that point because. If you take a sack, you're out of time out. If you take a sack, then you got to get up there and, and down the ball. You better know what down it is because if you take a sack on third down, you can't run up there and down the ball on fourth down. But we had a two-minute offense where we could call all that at the line of scrimmage and um, and, and do that fairly quickly. And um, uh, you had been doing that for four years, so you were pretty good at running that. But we do get to the point we get out of bounds we're down the last play now we practice the last play how often uh everybody I believe every thursday um practice we 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 went through our two minute drill and practiced the last a uh, last uh play scenario um each week and so let me test your memory here what did we call that play oh um Big Ben. Yes, that's right. And so basically, if I'm not mistaken, what we did was um, we, we got a trip set, meaning three receivers. We would call it Big Ben right or Big Ben left. Yes. Meaning the trips are going to the right or the trips are going to the left. We always want to put them to the wide side of the field. We left the um, uh, the back end to protect, and we, we left I, – I think we left – we left – um. Uh, as much protection in there as we could, but still get all the receivers down the field. And um, so when we ran Big Ben, the whole philosophy behind Big Ben, Big ben is we got to throw the ball up. And what we were really trying to do is we take whoever's our tallest guy that can jump. And what we really want to do most of the time is have him jump up and tip the ball. And the reason for that is rather than catch it, because if you catch it on the seven yard line, you know, they tackle you. But if you could jump up and jump up and tip the ball, 
we tried to surround him with the other receivers so that they might catch the tip and be able to score. And um, the thought that process is you got a better chance of doing that than jumping up and 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 catching the ball. Uh, that's the way that that we tried to teach that and, and coach that every week. And then explain a little bit about how uh, you had been taught to throw the ball. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm. I was taught to throw the ball. Obviously, we got to get it down there towards the end zone, but throw it high enough. Um, to give that guy, that guy who's jumping up to touch the, the, to tip the ball, give him a chance, an opportunity to tip it back up. So this was not going to be a, uh, a laser down there. This was going to be something that is, wasn't going to be something, a moonraker either, but something that uh, gives our guy opportunity to tip that ball up. Well, one of the other key elements of this is you have to be protected enough or buy enough time through scrambling or something to allow them to get down there because a lot of times you get pressured on that thing and you, you have to throw the ball early and they hadn't quite got all the way down there yet. And so you did a really nice job on the play. The best I can remember here, my memory serves me, uh, you dropped and then you kind of scrambled out best. I remember to your right and turned and got a little closer to the line of scrimmage and then let that thing go. But it gave them a times to get down there. And our number one guy, the guy that was supposed to be doing the jumping and the tipping, was Jaron Jackson. Correct. And, uh, yeah, so and, and the key to that is, like you said, to get them, give them an opportunity to get down there and get set up um, so they're not having to run and adjust while the ball's in the air. But um, And you can see, going back and watching um, the end zone copy of that film, um, I took the snap rolled right and all of their defenders are watching me and when I rolled right they obviously started rolling right too and um, I turned and I rolled back to the left to to avoid a pass rusher and when I started scrambling left they all immediately flipped their hips and started and started running to the left side of the field and then I turned my hips real quick and threw it back across the field to Jaron. And now they're having to, all the defenders are having to reflip their hips again and run towards Jaron. And so, um, it was, uh, <clears throat> defensively, it was, it was difficult, difficult on their defenders to have to, uh, flip those hips, flip their hips as many times to, to go towards the ball. So instead of watching the, the receivers, they were watching me. So, uh, that gave us, uh, even more of an opportunity to, uh, to have, fewer defenders down there by the ball when it reached our receivers. Okay, so you flung the ball and did a great job of throwing it, and I'm assuming that's as far as you can throw it. You know, Absolutely. (laughs) And so Jaron is down there, like you said, their defenders had kind of moved left, and now the ball goes in there. They're moving back towards the ball. And uh, the ball never made it quite to the end zone. I think it was, yeah, about, about the five. I think he was right around the five-yard, five, six-yard line. Well, he was to the point that when he managed to catch the ball, and, and, and let's, 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 let's cover that a minute. When the ball's thrown, the ball comes up and it's coming down. Jaron kind of realizes, okay, there's nobody right on me. Now, there were a couple of guys around him, but when he, when he went up to play the ball, nobody went up with him. And there are a couple of guys around there. And so instead of, and, and I'm assuming, and I don't remember asking Jaron this, but 
I assume he knew he wasn't in the end zone. So when he goes up, instead of tipping the ball, he decides to catch it, which he does, and on a on a really really good catch. And there, best I remember, well, there were two guys right there around him. There were, and I think in that moment of time, maybe 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 he wasn't thinking this, but I think that's just a senior uh, recognizing uh, I'm not going to leave this in anybody's hands but myself. And uh, stepping up and making a play like that, and um, and making sure that we secure the catch and secure the win there. But yeah, he did uh, catching the ball right around the five yard line and dragging at least two defenders in the end zone, and uh, and 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 diving across the goal line. And uh, if you watch the film of the thing, he literally drags them in the end zone. <laughs> yes, literally. And and dives and gets to the. Uh, and and gets to the end zone uh for for the touchdown so just a just a tremendous play by him by the way just from a strategy standpoint the defense generally is taught to knock that ball down don't try to catch it but try to knock that ball away to keep the guy their their guy from tipping it or catching it and it's one of those things just like had we not worked on this week after week after week uh we wouldn't have pulled this off but we worked on it every week and every week you need to work on defending that play because you don't want to lose a game because of, of, of giving up a big bend or a Hail Mary pass, you know, at the end of the game. So Jaron lunges for the end zone, scores, and the score is Washington County 35, TR Miller 34. We decided to go for two. I'm not sure if, if we discussed what we were going to do if we scored before the, uh, series started do you remember i do not remember i do remember coming to the sideline and begging you to let's run a naked boot off of the play that you ended up calling uh-huh. uh, i think i was ignored on that but uh <laughs> but i i, I was just I appreciated your my, input though i was just wanting the ball in my hands on the final play um and uh but uh but i, I do not remember uh, saying we were going to go for two if we if we scored. I know that our um, that year our field goal kicking um, at times was not the best. So I think it was probably understood that with the game on the line in that situation, uh, we were going to go for two. Certainly makes it an easier decision for the coach, I think. Correct. You know when that when that occurs. So so we did uh, line up and we go for two and. <clears throat> Generally, and um, and I know at that time I had at least one two-point play, probably two two-point plays to choose from, <clears throat> and we usually worked on those again on Thursday afternoon, make sure that we didn't, because a lot of times we didn't use any two-point conversions during a lot of the games. We might work on a two-point play for weeks and never run it, and every week we kind of kept it in our bag, you know, so if we need it, we'll run it. And so when when we went to the point of calling the play, most everybody knew it was going to be one or two plays because, again, we had worked on it. The best I can remember, uh, we decided to run a speed sweep. Uh, with, uh, we were handed it to Jamal Spears and a speed sweep, and we went, <clears throat> we got in what was an unbalanced set. Now, Unbalanced set means that we've got more people on the right. We do on the left. We didn't have hardly anybody left on the left over there. We have our tight end and split end and everybody on the, 
on the uh, say the right side over there. And what we were hoping is they would they would overcompensate by putting extra people over there on the right, which they did not. <laughs> and so basically, uh, uh, we thought they'd make an adjustment. They never even recognized the unbalanced. I don't think they'd make any adjustment. But uh, you called the play and uh, a speed sweep. Won't you describe what a speed sweep is? So. So I think I think you got to start back. I, I, if my memory serves me correct here, I believe the first time you ever introduced a speed sweep to us, you had been watching it maybe in the pre the one of these previous college years. I don't know where you get, exactly got it from. Might have been some Augusta stuff. Who knows? But um, but uh, I believe you actually took us out in the summer. Some of us that were out there working. Um, for the school out there cutting grass and doing different things. And I believe you stopped us one day and you had your center working for you. You had your quarterback out there working. And I think we had our, our wing back out there working as well. So he had the, just the right, right amount of people. And I think one of our running backs was working. So we had the right people in there to, to test it out. And I believe, um, that point at that's that, that hot, hot summer day, we, uh, we, the four of us or five of us introduced a speed sweep. And, uh, so, and so we had been running it for, you know, two years or so, and it had been a really good play for us. You know, the, the previous year, Therese Lane, um, would run it and, and, and there's no telling how many yards he got off of it. A uh, very difficult play to defend if you run it right. And it's all about timing. And, um, you can run it, you can be late. And if you're, if you're late handing it off, the quarterback's got a big problem because now he's, he's stuck with the ball with his back turned to the line and, uh, and, and he's got to figure out what to do. If you're early, then you can cause confusion back there in the backfield with feet, feet everywhere. Somebody's going to trip or whatever. So it's a, it's a timing thing and you've got to be perfect with your timing in order to hand the ball off. And if you do that wing back, that wide receiver has a advantage. Um, he's already running full speed with the ball by the time it's, it's snapped. So, um, a very a very difficult play to run, but if you run it right with the timing, it's it's very hard to defend. Well, you can run that, you know, in the shotgun, or you can run it out from under the center. We were doing it up under the center at the time, and uh, again, you're right. Uh, that guy goes in motion as fast as he can run. The timing of the snap is just critical in the play. It takes it's one of those things that you have to work on and work on and work on to get right. So there's a lot of pressure on the quarterback to get that thing snapped at the right time. And then when you hand the ball off, quarterback's always faking. He's faking to the running back who could be doing one of two or three different things. Um, and then you have a series of plays you run where you fake the guy in motion, the speed back, fake it to him, and then hand off to the, um, to, to, to the running back or bringing another receiver back up under on some kind of counter play or running some kind of play action pass off us. It's a whole series of things that you can do. Correct. Yes. And I, we, we would do them all. And, um, and, uh, but the speed sweep play for us, uh, the two years that I was, that I was there and we ran it was, it was a really, really good play for us. And, uh, we gained, gained a lot of yards off of it. And, um, and in this situation, we, I believe Jamal was a sophomore at the time. Didn't have the, he didn't have quite the speed that, uh, Therese had the year before running it, but Jamal was a kind of short in stature and was a kind of a bowling ball. And if he got his pads turned downfield, uh, he was hard to, 
hard to stop. And um, but we but no doubt we were giving it to, to one of the right people in, in that situation. Well, uh, on that play. Uh, so if we, we score, we're going to win the game. If we don't, uh, we're going to lose by one point because we, we we made the decision to go for two. But the one thing I remember about, other than the fact that they didn't adjust to what they were doing, is that we always had a rule with the run, with the back you handed the ball to, if you get cut off, cut up. And that's one thing Jamal was pretty good at that year. If you handed it to him and they cut him off, okay, he couldn't get outside. He would stop and cut the ball up. And uh, if I'm not mistaken on, on this play, that's exactly what happened. And he stopped, put his foot in the ground and cut straight up the field for the goal line. And he dove for the goal line, and we've got a pretty good goal line shot of that from the sideline. And uh, and if he if if he if he did cross the goal line, which we are saying he did, he didn't cross it by very much. <laughs> it he was hit, close. <laughs> he hit a brick. He hit a brick wall when he dove for the end zone. And uh, that referee down there on the goal line, um, there was no way if that ball was close enough to that goal line, he was not going to call that a touchdown. Uh, being down there towards our sideline and our fans, uh, if that ball was close to that goal line, it was going to be a touchdown. So, um, again, which I think is a, a great um, – got to mention, you know, in a situation like that, you, you absolutely have to run that towards your sideline. Yeah, it's, a, it's just one of those things that you need to you need to be able to do. But um, it, it it was a a really close close play. But he goes in uh, that ends the game because obviously there was no time left on the clock, and that was the two point play. So we win the game thirty six to thirty five. We were excited to win. I think the celebration afterwards was one of the bigger celebrations I've ever seen for a regular season game that wasn't a Battle of Murder Creek or something because uh, I, I think that night everybody in the stands, when they scored, thought, because they had had most momentum in the second half, you know, uh, that they, they just didn't think we had much of a chance to get that ball all the way in the field and score in the last minute. But uh, you guys managed to do that and pull it out. So describe the uh, – the, the celebration afterwards. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, going to, uh, there's no telling how many TR Miller games I've been to up until that point. But yeah, like you said, never, <laughs> never do I remember, uh, a celebrating a victory, uh, in that manner for just a regular season game that wasn't, like you said, the Battle of Murder Creek or a big playoff game or anything like that. But, uh, um, I think it, like you mentioned, I think it was more of a, I can't believe this just happened um, out of, you know, and for a lot of the fans who have been coming to T.R. Miller games for a long, long time, you know, uh, they, they were kind of, there's a, there was a, 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 you know, a thing of disbelief in the air of, I can't believe this just happened. Um, and uh, the, it was pandemonium. Um, I just remember uh, throwing my helmet up and go in and just chest bumping the first person I saw coming off the field and uh just and then and then just trying to take in the moment after that and I believe I just took a knee in the middle of the field and was just trying to catch my breath because I was so exhausted at it out of um, what we had just done and the celebration and um just trying to take that that moment in um and uh, I do believe and I don't know you may correct me did you uh, I was told later that you you ran did you you were on the field. You ran uh, straight to the uh, the locker room, didn't you? I don't remember that, but my memory is kind of shaky on, on on some of the things. But I didn't. 
I didn't, I didn't hang around long. I think I had added that. Well, I, I did shake hands with the, and I, I will say this, the, um, the Washington County folks, as elated as we were, they were that disappointed. They were, uh, they, they, because were. they were, you can see it on the film. They were, re- they were, they were ready. I mean, it was, it was one of two, two scenarios. Either we were going to run on the field and celebrate or they were, um, because they had just come to Bruton to beat T.R. Miller, and uh, they were gonna that was that was gonna be them dogpiling and celebrating, and uh, and they were they were there. There was a lot of lot of um, disbelief on their end as well as as what what happened. So they had some good football players, and in the next few years, they played in the state championship game a couple of times. But they had some really good football players, and and this happens sometime in football, and and it's hard. So one of those things hard to explain. So the next year, we go over there to play them, and we're struggling again a little bit. You know, uh, our team was we were a younger team that year. We struggled a little bit. Uh, they had a really good team, and we went over there to play them, and. I knew that we were going to play terrific, you know, just to have a chance to stay on the field and play with them with the players and all that they had. And we went over and beat them pretty handedly. And I really think it had to do as much with the game from the year before as it did there. I really think that going into the, into the, into the game, of course they had seen us on film at all. Um, I think they, they just had this thing that it's hard for us to beat these folks. And uh, they didn't they didn't play that night as well as they had played in some other games, which is just a little bit unusual. They come to Bruton and played terrific. And then the next year we kind of jumped on kind of early down there and they, they just didn't play well at all. And I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, the, uh, the the following spring after after that uh, 2010 game, uh, they came over to play us in baseball. And I can remember sitting sitting in the locker room uh, getting ready for the game. And a couple of their football players who, who were playing baseball came over and uh, wanted to talk to me uh, and they wanted to talk about the game. And uh, they were still they were still upset, you know, months later, several months later over what had happened that night. You know, they I can't believe that you guys did that. You know what? A, what a game it was. We thought we had we had y'all beat, you know, yada, yada. Um, but they were, you know, in, in the middle of baseball season and, and wanted to come over and still discuss that game that, that happened that night in October. You know, great, great wins are great to remember. You know, you, you remember this is, you know, now, you know, a, a dozen years later and, you know, it, it's one of the great victories you can, you can talk about. The losses seem to stay with you. <laughs> um, I know as a coach, the losses seem to stay with me even more than the wins. And if you lose a game like that, it's just really hard on you. And um, uh, I thought they did a nice job of showing a little class that night. And uh, in the midst of all of that and all that, that, that was going on. And um, like I said, in the year, you know, in the years to come, the next few years, uh, they had some really good uh, teams. And their coach at the time was Chris Wilson. He was a nice guy. And, you know, I can remember them coming to play us in basketball one night. And he came to the game and I sat and talked with him in the stands for a while, you know, and, and also, um, but uh, anyway, well, Will, it's, it's been good to have you and to relive some, uh, some, some, one of the great uh, wins at uh, T.R. Miller history. And uh, so take care of yourself and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Minute with Coach Riggs. Till next time.